Hello, I'm Liv Bolton, and you're listening to The Outdoors Fix, a podcast to inspire you to make adventures outdoors a bigger part of your life. The Outdoors Fix is produced in association with our friends at Ellis Brigham Mountain Sports. Welcome back to episode five of series four. My guest in this episode is Fritz Sarita Tam. She's an adventure filmmaker and photographer, rock climber, hiker, and paddleboarder. Fritz's introduction to the outdoors was by no means gentle. A 50 kilometer, 16 hour charity hike on the South Downs Way with no previous hiking experience. But it sparked a fascination with spending time outside. And since then, she's consciously taken baby steps, as she puts it, towards a more outdoorsy life and career. Those small moves forward have led her to taking up micro-adventures after work, new outdoor hobbies, filming a documentary about a paddleboarding record, and working for the Bear Grylls Survival Academy. Frit is a British Chinese lesbian, and she says she's also passionate about trying to help other people in marginalised groups feel that the outdoors is for them too. Because of coronavirus, we couldn't meet up as planned, so we recorded from our homes instead, and this conversation took place at the height of the lockdown in April. I hope you enjoy this episode of Fritz's story. Listen out for her tips for an outdoorsy life, and don't forget that at the end of the podcast, there's a relaxing minute of sounds from nature recorded by some of you. Here's Fritz. Frit, welcome to the Outdoors Fix podcast. Thank you so much for coming on it. Thank you so much for having me. Not at all. Um, if I could just describe where I'm sitting right now, because it's slightly cracking me up, this new era of <laughs> um, coronavirus. I'm sitting in my flat with a bed sheet on the window in front of me, a pillowcase over my computer screen and a towel on my desk to try and you know boost the audio quality of this this recording so it's a pretty ridiculous setup whereabouts in the country are you so i'm currently down in hastings at the moment i've been living out of a van for a little while and when my girlfriend frankie and i decided to come back to the uk whilst everything with coronavirus was going on we did a little call out uh, to some friends and for very very fortunately um, a, a friend's family have lent us their holiday home in Hastings so I'm currently sat on the bed facing the headboard with several <laughs> pillows in front of me closed off all the curtains closed the door just to try and also boost the audio quality oh good effort <laughs> good effort and so in the, in Hastings then is there countryside to go and do your daily bit of exercise you know what, we have landed in absolute heaven here. Um, when they said, yes, of course, you know, you can have our holiday home, I thought, well, it's just amazing that they've lent us their holiday home. But I didn't quite realise what else would come with it. So we're within walking distance of the sea and we're surrounded by acres and acres of woodland and it's just absolutely stunning. So on our sort of daily exercise uh, that we've managed to do, we've just had a, a whole choice, really, of, of things that we're able to, to get out, outside and do. It's it's been amazing to be honest we've been really really lucky that sounds pretty lovely and, and much better to be in a house for the lockdown than just in your van so before coronavirus your life seemed to be pretty packed full with rock climbing hiking skiing canoeing paddleboarding, camping in your van loads of stuff uh, which i really want to come to later on but you haven't really always been this outdoorsy have you i mean did, did the outdoors feature much when you were growing up 
So you're right, actually. You know, it, it, the outdoors didn't feature that much. Being outside did, in terms of I was a very sporty child. I played every sport that I could get my hands on, really, from, you know, tennis, football, hockey, badminton, table tennis, anything like that. I absolutely loved sports. But being outdoors didn't really feature that prominently, so I never camped, I never hiked, uh, I, I hadn't lit a fire, I hadn't climbed any trees. Growing up in a Chinese household, a lot of the focus was on academic achievements. They did give me a really rounded childhood in the sense that, um, you know, my, my dad would drive me to all of my sporting matches. My mum was very keen that, um, I, that I should become a strong swimmer. So they did sort of implement those um, physical areas of my life too. But very much, you know, the top priority was to uh, get a good education, to do well in my exams, uh, to do well academically. Uh, and, you know, for them, that's been the way that they've managed to propel themselves into the life that they have now. So they very much, you know, wanted that for me as well. After uni, you became a freelance videographer. So what was it then that made you get into the outdoors? The main sort of instigator was that a friend of mine had just randomly at, at, at an event asked me if I wanted to take part in um, a long distance hike. Before that, I'd never hiked before, but I kind of thought it would be a cool thing to do. I'd started to feel the effects of not being active for many years and didn't really know how to kickstart that. And I thought, well, perhaps, you know, signing up to an event might be a good way to do that so that there would be something that I would be working towards. Mm. Um, so what was it? And Which, so, where, where was it and how, how far was it? So it was the Action Challenge South Coast Challenge and essentially they do different distances. Uh, they do a 25, 50 and 100 kilometre. At the time I signed up for the 50 kilometre hike because I didn't have the time to train for the 100 kilometre at the time but I thought 50 kilometres would still be a good challenge. Um, so I asked, I asked another friend of mine if she would like to join me and we kind of just on a whim both said yes but had no idea what we were getting ourselves into and <laughs> it was through doing that hike that I started to understand why people went hiking. I started to understand the draw of the views and the landscapes that you have access to when you go hiking. And I, I got that clarity of mind you get when you're immersed in the outdoors. And I remember finishing that hike and uh, we took it really slowly because we kept stopping to take pictures, which was a real error. <laughs> but we finished that hike somewhere around 11pm at night and I remember we sat down and I was still feeling really good. Um, I'd been walking all day from Eastbourne but mentally, so my body was starting to feel a bit stiff, but mentally I felt really clear and, and I just from that point on realised that actually there was something very powerful here that I really wanted to get more of. So, so after that big hike, did you get out hiking more in your sort of everyday life? So, yeah, what I would do is I would start signing up to more sort of local or more casual hikes. So Action Challenge do sort of training walks for upcoming events and anyone can just sign on to those really, um, even if you're not doing an Action Challenge endurance walk at any point. Um, and they're usually more like 15 to 25 kilometres. Mm -hmm. So I would join on to those if I could get to them or I would do ones um, at the time I was living in Brighton. So, you know, ones taking part in Sussex and then from that point on actually I started going away on trips just um, in the UK but I would take myself off to the Lake District or to the Peak District and my focus really for those holidays was just to go hiking so instead of flying off away to you know another country I stayed within the UK and really sort of made my holidays more about getting outdoors hiking more and experiencing uh, more of different places within the UK itself. 
It's such a great way to explore the UK. I mean, honestly, I know that coronavirus is putting a stop to all travelling, but I genuinely don't have a desire to go anywhere else in the world at the moment than, other than explore the UK, because there's just, when you're hiking, there's just so much to see in the UK, isn't there? Absolutely. I mean, I think we're incredibly lucky to, you know, for such a small island, really, to just have such a variety and diversity of places, quite literally on our doorstep. You know, road trips for us, I appreciate, are very small compared to road trips for Americans. <laughs> but in that short amount of time, you know, you can quite literally go from the south coast of England to the very north of Scotland and you'll pass through so many different places, types of people, types of agriculture, buildings, you know, the landscapes change quite wildly. And to have that all within such a small space, but that's so accessible for us, is really just quite a privilege for us, I think. It's so lovely that that big hike sparked this, you know, travelling around the UK and exploring the Lake District and things. I mean, did when you were outdoors then hiking, how did it make you feel? I mean, you've spoken in the past about um, you experiencing anxiety. Did it help with that? Absolutely. So, you know, I've spoken a, a lot of about my anxiety on my social media platforms and, and on my YouTube channel. And the, the thing that I keep coming back to is that I believe that Mother Nature just sort of accepts you as you are. So however you're feeling that day or whatever baggage you might have or whatever you're um, trying to deal with at that time, if you're able to just step outside and immerse yourself in the present, in you know the birds that might be singing around you, um, to the trees that might be moving in the wind, to just stillness outside. There's something about it that takes you out of your hyper-focused state when you're feeling anxious and just gives you a moment to breathe. It might mm. quite literally just be a moment and then you're back into your feelings of anxiety, but you've still had a moment of release. And that's something that I don't tend to find in other ways you know it's it's almost it's quite literally it is an outdoors fix um mm -hmm. for me and so if i'm able to then i try and do that but sometimes you know anxiety gets me to the point where i don't even feel like i want to do that i know that it's good for me but sometimes i don't even feel like i'm capable of doing that but the fact that it is there for me is a real privilege and something that i do try and uh, make the most of when i can yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, the outdoors is not, not a cure-all at all, but it's so great to hear that it does help you often in many ways. You were doing your freelance videography career. You seem to have taken a slight pivot to a more outdoorsy career. Um, you worked at Bear Grylls Survival Academy. Yeah, so um, there was a period of time, actually, where I sort of was toying with the idea of not filming anymore. Um, and I was selling off all my camera gear, and I kind of just felt like I perhaps needed a break. I think really looking back on it, what it was was that I was pursuing the wrong things because what's happened now is that I've come back to filming and photography and I've fallen even more in love with it. So it wasn't really the act of doing it that was the problem, but I think at the time I was just chasing the wrong things whilst using that as a tool. So for, for that period of time, uh, you know, whilst I thought that I didn't want to do it anymore, I... I first got a job at a Cotswold outdoor store. Oh, yeah. um, I knew that I enjoyed the outdoors. I knew that I enjoyed sort of just learning more about the kit and the equipment. And I knew that it would be a good way to meet more outdoorsy people. So at the time I'd just moved to Guildford um, and it was a really great way actually to just meet some new people, make some new friends. 
and through working at the Cotswold Outdoor Store um, was when I then ended up meeting my boss who would then give me a job at the Bear Grylls Survival Academy. Fantastic. I mean, what what is, describe to listeners, what exactly do you, does one do at the Bear Grylls Survival Academy? What is it all about? <laughs> so the Bear Grylls Survival Academy was set up with the ethos that it was to help everybody get outdoors from children uh, to adults of all ages and to help you know either families spend a bit more time together in the outdoors or to help individuals who wanted more of a challenge on you know the the extreme five-day Scotland course so there's a big variety of courses of survival courses uh, where the Survival Academy will take you on an adventure will take you on a journey but they'll also um, throughout that period of time teach you vital survival skills that Bear Grylls uses on his shows and he teaches himself. Sounds like a pretty fun place to work and you were doing a marketing role there. Um, did they get you to do any crazy things? So um, I, I had wonderful opportunities to go out and photograph on these courses and you know the the things that I always remember are you know trying to traverse over the top of a waterfall to try and take photographs of, of the participants jumping off the waterfall uh, and one of the participants told me afterwards that actually he thought walking across the top of the waterfall looked more treacherous and he was actually happier to just jump off it and not watch me <laughs> try and cross it <laughs> but yeah ultimately you know it it was just a really great way to merge two things that I really really loved you know photography and filmmaking and the outdoors and also just connection with people uh, you know I captured some incredible moments between parents and their children whilst they're you know muddying each other's faces or learning how to light a fire together but then also I'd meet a lot of people who wanted the, a new challenge for themselves perhaps it was towards the start of the year and they'd set a new year's resolution to challenge themselves with something outdoors and so they booked onto a survival academy course and they would be taken through you know a 20 a, you know a vigorous 24 hours uh, where they would learn to build a shelter to light a fire to cross difficult terrain and um, they'd come out of it and be like wow like that, that didn't even feel like 24 hours, that felt like 48 or, you know, 72 hours because um, so much is jam-packed into that time and, and you really got a sense of growth from them, which, you know, I think is just such a lovely thing to be able to be part of and to capture as well. That sounds brilliant. And also really fun that you get to learn skills like how to photograph when you're having to be clipped on and hanging off a precipice or something. <laughs> oh, it was incredible. Yeah, we... Um, you know, there were so many opportunities where, you know, I could go out and, and be with uh, the, the instructors and um, you know, the instructors are the, just this incredible team of highly qualified outdoors people uh, and the knowledge they have is ridiculous. You know, my safety was always in their hands and I'm very glad that it was always in their hands and not anybody else's. <laughs> Oh God, what an awesome role. And um, it seems in the past year you've been doing a lot of rock climbing, skiing, paddle boarding, hiking, a really adventurous year. Was there a reason why last year was seemingly more adventurous than other years? Yeah, so essentially, uh, probably uh, just over a year ago now, um, I went through some unexpected life changes and moved out of Guildford, decided instead that I would move back in with my parents and kind of just start again, really. I started to, from that sort of transitionary period, I started to try and ask myself what it is that I really wanted. You know, what is it that sparks joy for me? What am I capable of doing? 
and uh, you know what can I positively contribute towards but I'd sort of felt like I'd been lacking those things before what I really sort of tuned into was that I really love the outdoors but I feel highly unqualified or inexperienced in so many areas that I want to feel more experienced in for example with climbing I'd started climbing years and years ago um, I started climbing I think about seven years ago but I basically had battled um, a fear of heights <laughs> so a fear of heights and climbing don't seem to go together that well and I was just really fearful for years I was on and off climbing um, and couldn't quite break through to the point where I could get comfortable with climbing and, and I remember thinking I'd really love to climb better and to climb more and to and to not be so scared of climbing basically because it was something I wanted to do but I was really scared of it and it was this strange dichotomy that I was constantly sort of battling between and so I just kind of I'd set my intentions to do more of of these things that I didn't feel I had as much experience in that I that I wanted but I knew that they could bring me so much joy if if I could just perhaps sort of dip my toe into it a bit more so just baby steps you know I just would sort of reach out to one friend and be like hey you know would you like to go climbing with me at some point or you know when I learned to canoe very fortunately that was through the survival academy where um, a canoeing weekend uh, was put on by one of the instructors and so I decided to go along to that and, and get you know my first qualification in canoeing and just things like that where I started just saying yes to things or you know try to instigate some periods of time where you know I could take my first few steps into something that perhaps scared me uh, and then you know obviously what I've then found is that the more that I experience it the less it scared me and just sort of continue to try and build upon that throughout the year. That's really amazing I mean those those big changes in our lives they can often lead to, to this reflection and this time to think about what we really want to do and it's so great to hear that you grabbed all those chances and you said yes to so many things I mean, it led to it led to some other things like you seem to have done a lot more sort of after work adventures in your van. Yeah. So, uh, you know, a big inspiration for me when I first started getting into the outdoors uh, was Alistair Humphreys. And um, he, you know, has written some incredible books. And one of them I remember picking up was about micro adventures. And I'd sort of seen on his social media that he'd been talking about it. And so I bought the book. And that really was the catalyst for starting me on what he calls five to nine adventures. Now, essentially, they're adventures that you have after work. So you finish work, you have an adventure, you know, in the evening. Uh, and then you either sort of perhaps go home after the adventure or you stay out and you go to work straight away the next day. And so, you know, I'd sort of dabbled with the idea and thought, actually, this would be really cool, but I have no idea how to do this. So uh, it wasn't until actually that I met my girlfriend, Frankie, that I was able to do that where we would start going on five to nine adventures in her van. So essentially she would pick me up from work and then uh, we'd drive off to somewhere in the Surrey Hills uh, where we could park up the van. We'd um, light a fire. We'd cook some dinner on a camping stove. We'd watch the stars and then we'd go to bed. And then we just she'd just drive me straight to work the next day. And there was something really exhilarating about that, despite the fact that I hadn't slept in my own bed um, that night. I felt really well rested and really energised. And I could only attribute that to, you know, being able to just spend more time outdoors and just sort of really rinse that time where I could have been sat indoors on the sofa watching Netflix. I'm not putting that down. There are days when I really want to do that and I really enjoy that. But there was definitely something very invigorating about being able to fit an adventure into a normal working day around my working hours. I love that. And I really want to do more after work adventures as well. 
So you left Bear Grylls Survival Academy and you're now a freelance videographer again. Are you looking to keep the outdoors in your work then? Yes, essentially is the short answer. But um, the outdoors isn't even really a part of my conscious decision making anymore because it just is so integral to my life that it has to be there for me is how I feel about it. So in terms of my filmmaking, um, videography and photography, you know, where I'd love to push it towards uh, is to continue making uh, documentaries about other people's challenges. So that was sort of instigated by filming last year with Jo Mosley, who you've had on the podcast. I filmed her paddleboard the North Challenge last year, where she paddleboarded 162 miles from Liverpool to Goul. And currently we're well into post-production for that. For both of us, it's going to be our first feature-length documentary, and I'd love to, to to make more of those. That was such an incredible experience, and to be able to capture someone else's journey and challenge and adventure is just such a joyful experience, but also just such a privilege too to be able to see, you know, everything, to see their preparation, to um, see their challenge days themselves, and then to also see, you know, behind the scenes of, you know, when they've finished for the day and and all the conversations that you can have with them I, I love having a camera in my hand so yeah much like when I was able to you know combine the two those two things that I love filmmaking and photography with the outdoors when I was at the survival academy I'd love to continue doing that um, from now on. You excitingly recently won a grant from the Adventure Queens community for a big adventure. Um, I mean, obviously, we know that the timing of this adventure is going to be a bit up in the air at the moment because of coronavirus. Um, but tell me what this adventure is that you have got money for now to carry out. So, yeah, it's a bit of a crazy one. <laughs> um, essentially, I had this idea uh, that I wanted to rollerblade around the country. I'm not entirely sure where that came from. I'm not entirely sure where rollerblading came from because also the caveat <laughs> is that I can't rollerblade. Like I, I've tried once and I'm really bad at it. But there was something about it that I just couldn't let go of. So I pitched it as this idea. And essentially the premise around it is that... Um, so I'm a Chinese lesbian woman and within the LGBTQ plus community, there's a really, really big problem with the sense of belonging. So, you know, in, in a government survey in 2017 where they had over 100,000 respondents, 40% of them said that they had experienced an incident um, in, in the last 12 months from someone they didn't live with. But 29% also said that they had, ex had experienced an incident with someone that they had lived with. But more alarmingly... 94% of those respondents said that they didn't report it because they ultimately didn't think that it would be taken seriously by the police. And I think, you know, stats like that just show how deeply embedded it is in, in the minds of LGBTQ plus people uh, that, you know, that we're another or that we don't belong and that our issues and our troubles won't be taken seriously. And even though, you know, I acknowledge that great strides have been made to increase acceptance I've definitely experienced that in the sense that you know I, I, I was born in the UK I grew up in the UK um, and you know I'm able to live an incredibly wonderful lovely life with my girlfriend you know that's not always possible for everybody and so essentially what I wanted to do was rollerblade around the country but visiting historical or significant LGBTQ plus sites ranging from charities to sports teams to the homes of important LGBTQ plus people because ultimately up and down the country there are a plethora of them 
and you know even doing my research for trying to work out my route uh, for where I want to roll a blade between I've been overwhelmed with the number of places so ultimately what I want to do is spread the message that no matter where you live or where you come from you know a place or a person of LGBTQ plus significance is close to you so ultimately you're not alone and you do belong there's such a lack of that feeling sometimes that I'd love to just be able to positively contribute to anything that will help counter that um, and, and just help the community in, in in a way that essentially they've helped me um, whilst I was growing up and learning to accept myself as well. Well it sounds like an amazing adventure with a real worthwhile mission there and how long do you think it would take because it sounds very very physically challenging? Yeah so <laughs> it could be anywhere between three and five weeks uh, and yeah it would probably be an amazing month. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, also, that must just be the benefit of being freelance as well, that you will be able to choose uh, when to do it and how to fit your work around it. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the biggest draw for freelance life for me is just autonomy over my time. And there's just so many areas that I want to dedicate my time to. Um, you know, and this is a perfect example of uh, something that sort of brings so many things together for me in terms of the outdoors, um, but being able to be an advocate um, for a cause that, that means a lot to me uh, and to try and help people in some way. So, yeah, you know, uh, this is ultimately why I, I decided to become self-employed is to, is to free up my time so that I can do things like this. How do you think you want the outdoors to be part of your life going forward? Oh, that is such a good question. I'd love the outdoors to almost stay the same in terms of continuing to challenge me, um, continuing to help me understand more about myself. But ultimately, I'd love the outdoors to enable me to, to just pay it forward to other people who either don't have access to the outdoors as readily as I do um, or don't see the outdoors as a place that is um, inclusive or accepting for them and to try and, and find ways where they feel comfortable outdoors and they can receive the same benefits that I've experienced because I can't imagine my life without the outdoors now but there was a period of time when it wasn't part of my life and I, you know I, I kind of I wasn't seeing faces that looked like mine either in the outdoors and so I didn't really feel as if the outdoors was for me um, and it was only through the help of you know many of of my really lovely friends and people that I know and, and, and inspiration on social media that allowed me to do that and slowly I started building up a life where the outdoors was you know became more and more integral to my life so if there's one thing that I can do it, it would be that I'd really love to just pay it forward to others who don't feel as if the outdoors is for them because ultimately it is but it might be that their way of getting to it, it you know might be different. Brett, who are the three people who have inspired your outdoors adventures? So, the first person I have to mention is Joe Mosley. <laughs> um, so oh, we love Joe. <laughs> we do. So, she's known as he uh, Healthy Happy 50 on Instagram. And essentially, she is 
an advocate for women and men um, in their 40s, 50s and 60s to show that people in this age bracket can still have incredible adventures because it seems as if the image of, you know, people in this age bracket um, is that they're, you know, quote, past it. And Joe is doing an incredible job at showing that they're absolutely not. So as I mentioned previously, Joe uh, paddleboarded 162 miles last year between Liverpool and Gull. And I just resonated so much with her joy. And, and that was what sort of propelled me to get in touch with her in the first place. But I've been very, very lucky through that process of filming with her. And, you know, we're, we're in touch daily pretty much ever since her challenge uh, that, you know, I'm incredibly lucky that I've managed to forge such a long lasting and beautiful friendship with her. And, and she just continually inspires me to, you know, to spend time living adventurously, to be kind to others um, and to myself and to look after the planet. She's fantastic. And and like you say, if you um, if anyone wants to hear more of Joe's story, there was an episode that we did in series three that you can listen to about all her big adventure. But how about your second person? So my second person is a guy called Jimmy Chin. He is a world renowned photographer and filmmaker. He started in climbing photography, but now just captures absolute badass expeditions. He's mm. a world class skier and mountaineer and climber in his own right. But his work is just stunning. It's his work and his gentle manner that just really inspire me to get outside, uh, to continue improving my adventure photography and filmmaking skills. How about your third person? So my third person is less of a person and more of a team of people, if I'm allowed that. Um, essentially, Ooh. it's the Lionesses. So they are the England women's football team. And it was their um, last World Cup in 2019 that essentially inspired me to get my qualification as an FA football referee. But ultimately, also what it is about them is that there are several out and proud ladies in that team who are out and proud about their sexuality. And they just inspire me, really, to be proudly myself as well. As much as great strides have been taken um, in sport, um, there's still you know, big gaps to be closed with regards to racism and homophobia in football. And I think the Lionesses are doing a great job of, you know, showing inclusivity uh, alongside, you know, initiatives like um, Rainbow Laces, which was basically started by Stonewall to promote uh, football players to wear rainbow coloured laces on their football boots. And all of that, really, you know, to see women at the top of their game on an international stage being who they are, that really inspires me to get out there and, and to do the same as well. Great. What tips do you have for getting outdoors more? So the two that I would suggest for other people would be either to sign up to an event. So for me, that really worked in terms of giving me something to work towards. It gave me a deadline. It gave me a structure, you know, of, um, you know, what activity it was that I needed to train for. But also if you sign up to an event, sometimes what they might give you is a training plan. So, you know, you've even got those things that are sort of laid out for you. Uh, so you don't need to do too much research into it. You don't need to do too much work yourself. And already what you can do is start getting outside with the help of, you know, other people's instructions, uh, which I found really helpful because I sometimes need to be told what to do. <laughs> I sometimes really enjoy just being told what to do. That's quite nice, particularly in something that I was feeling anxious about that was sort of stopping me. I was sort of stopping myself really from getting outside. And so just having those things laid out sort of removed all the excuses that I could have um, to not get outside. Uh, and I found that to be really useful. But if signing up to an event doesn't work for you and that 
perhaps feels like too much pressure, um, then I would just suggest joining online groups, online outdoors groups. So, you know, on Facebook, there's the Adventure Queens, uh, there's Black Girls Hiking, there's the Yes Tribe. There's all of these different groups where, you know, you can be part of um, the Facebook pages and just see what people are posting. And that's really great for just daily tips um, and inspiration to see what others are getting up to um, and perhaps you know just start to make you feel as if the activity that you're wanting to do is a bit more possible for you as well. Britt, thank you so much for speaking to me and doing it from inside your bedroom with your microphone against the headboard. I love that. <laughs> Um, it's uh, no, it's been really wonderful to hear more about your your background and and your story and uh, a real pleasure. And what's your going to be your daily exercise today? Do you think? Oh, I think today might be a bike ride. Um, so Frankie and I have managed to get ourselves a couple of secondhand bikes, which has just opened up a whole new way of being able to get around whilst we're here. So I think it might be that. Yeah. Oh, wonderful. Well, thank you so much. Uh, it's been really, really lovely to speak to you and I hope it goes well in, in Hastings and fingers crossed we'll be out exploring the world again soon. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on. Um, yeah, it's just such a, a joy and a privilege to be part of this. So thank you so much. Oh, thanks again. Thanks for listening to Fritz episode. You can see photos of Fritz Outdoors Adventures on the Outdoors Fix website or on Instagram at the Outdoors Fix. You'll also find her on Instagram at Fritz starting at 30. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to make sure you get all the episodes when they come out and please rate and review the podcast to help other people find it. You might also like to check out the dozens of other episodes we've published since the Outdoors Fix started. The Outdoors Fix is proudly supported by Ellis Brigham Mountain Sports, stores nationwide and online, offering everything you need to equip you for the best outdoors experience. Now, it's that time to hear some sounds from nature that you, the listeners, recorded. These clips are from Julian from African Ascents in South Africa, Amelia Huntington in Richmond Park, and a listener in the Cairngorms.